But wait, there's more. In addition to those steak knives that you got for free, there's also this little morsel. I know what you're thinking, why is it only 10-ish minutes long when normally our usual Witch Car Weekly segment is around about 30 minutes? Well, I'm glad you asked, because what we'd like to do is is perhaps do a little bonus level every now and then when there's something worthy of talking about and extending the after-hours Witch Car Weekly coverage. And this week, of course, Scotty, it is the WRC first round. Yes, so we previewed it on last week's uh, regular episode, and we spoke about it a bit, and it was such an exciting event that we wanted to talk about it, but with all the Otties happening, all the AMAs, uh, couldn't quite fit in the regular show, so why not do a little bit extra and tell everyone what happened? I think that is an absolutely brilliant idea. We will be doing it for other things as well. Like mm-hmm. we were just saying off air, you know, perhaps if we're uh, some far-flung part of the world at a motor show and there's a little little morsel of something that we want to d- perhaps delve a little bit deeper in, perhaps it could be something that we were just saying, you know, discussing the future of the electric car in Australia. could be anything. It's not just going to be motorsport related, nope. but this week it certainly is. So, Monte Carlo. Okay, Monte Carlo. So I guess the headline act is it was Sebastian. On paper, it looked like business as usual. Sebastian Ogier won. He won. He won the last six now. So why is that different? Because it was the closest finish in Monte Carlo history. Just two point two seconds no, it, separated them after. Th- it's amazing, isn't it? That I is th- unbelievable. Because obviously, if we're talking F one or whatever. Then that is an age. Yeah. But in rallying, that is basically like over one lap in F one. That would be an age. But these yeah. guys have driven for th- over three hundred kilometres, full tilt on gravel. Ice, snow, tarmac, and they are separated by, I don't know what that is, it's probably, you know, the equivalent of 15 centimetres. So, I mean, in my mind, when you're talking about time, that's the same amount to me. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did, might as well both give them a trophy. They yeah. did 300 kilometres in exactly the same time. That's right. That exactly. is extraordinary. It's crazy it. because for mind management purposes, you must think, oh, like, it's, it's a locked wheel. It's a slightly too wide on one corner of the 15 bazillion corners yeah. they took. yeah. And one, and I mean, the big problem is that Thierry Neuville actually made a big mistake on the second day, ran wide, lost twenty seconds. So he oh. lost the rally there, really, and he knew he knows it, and that's sort of been his problem last year. He sort of makes these little errors, whereas Sebastian Ogier does not, and that's why he won. And is that the difference between a good driver and an exceptional driver? The ones who who not only can be that consistent to not make those silly little mistakes, but also when you do, you don't go back and agonise over them and just say what if, what if. I think it's the difference between an exceptional driver and one of the best we've ever seen. Right, okay. Thierry is absolute, absolutely exceptional in terms of his speed and he's, now his consistency. He's found the consistency. He can run at the front for a long period of time. Yeah. But he just makes these one percenters, just a little overshoot. That's all it was. A little overshoot, had to turn around and go back. Um, and But Ogier just doesn't make those mistakes. He makes them once, you know, he maybe makes one a season. Serious? Yeah. So that level of consistency. Yep. So we're talking <clears throat> brand new season. Uh, the first uh, round of the WRC, what are the things that have come out as emerging and really obvious uh, traits of this year? Well, the obvious things are that uh, we'll start with Citroen because Citroen won. Um, Ogier, it's been remarkable because Ogier didn't have a lot, time, a lot of time in the car to test, yet he still come out and won it. And he just knows how to win. He just kept the car in the middle of the road. It wasn't always the fastest. But, I mean, the Toyotas were the fastest cars, but they kept breaking rims because their, mm. their drivers were taking big cuts. And Ogier would say, I'm not being flat out. I'm not taking all the cuts I can, you know, cutting the road to go a little bit faster line. um, And then you don't get punctures. Um, But one thing I want to mention is the Citroen is now clearly much improved. Even halfway through last year, it was a bit all over the shop. And obviously Chris Meek ended up getting sacked. 
they improved the car a lot from about mid-year onwards. So there are some people going out there, oh, you know, Meek's terrible, blah, 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 blah. Look how amazing Ogier is. He can win in a dog of a car. The car is no longer a dog. It's The car is much improved, which is good because that means it will be tighter for the uh, for the rest of the year. We've got sort of three manufacturers right up there with rally-winning cars. Um, another thing is Hyundai is kind of as it was last year. Um, they've got a really fast car in all conditions. They've got three great drivers. Um, Andreas Mikkelsen had a struggle. He crashed in the end. He um, took a wheel off, which is it's hard to drive with three wheels. Um, I'd give it a go. Yeah, well, you know, I, if, if someone offered me, if Hyundai rang me up and said, you can drive our WRC car, but we're only giving you three wheels, I would still give it a go. I mean, it's still, I mean, it sounds fine to me. We've got we've got two-wheel drive vehicles on the road. Yeah. What's the matter with a three-wheel drive? Yeah, especially with this clever diffs that can yeah. send out, work out where to send the power. Oh, this sounds like a lot of complaining and not enough doing <laughs> it. <really. laughs> Bloody primitive on a racing drivers. <laughs> I know. Uh, Sebastian Loeb returned, and that's really exciting because there's like, I think everybody's got a man crush on Sebastian Loeb. He's just come back for... Basically, shits and giggles. You want to talk to me about? Oh, he's just—he wanted what a, what a divine be gentleman. Bonus I just love the fact that his co-driver is like put on like fifteen kilograms since they retired. He's like wedged into the seat. He's having cigarettes during the service breaks. It doesn't matter. He's like he's carrying such a disadvantage, but they've got so much experience. They're both so good at what they do. I mean, Loeb's still really, really fit, but Daniel Elena, his co-driver, probably isn't in peak physical condition. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and that's just, probably just being go out. kind, isn't it? Yep, they're just probably being kind. They just go out and just set these amazing stage times. He is truly a freak. Um, but, I mean, Sebastian Ogier is closing in probably on his title of greatest ever rally driver. That's a conversation for another wow. another time. Um, Toyota had a great rally and a poor rally all at once. Like, they had a... They've got the fastest car. That car is a rocket ship, especially yeah. in a straight line. It's got so much horsepower. But um, with Tanak and Meek, Oit Tanak was the, by far the fastest driver. He was blitzing. He caught up like two minutes or something because he had a puncture had to change the wheel lost heaps of time mm. had to catch up like two minutes basically on uh, ended up on the podium which is pretty amazing um, but both he and Chris Meek they use all the car like they are amazingly quickly but if there's a cut to be made they'll take it yeah. if there's performance in the car they'll use it so and both of them had a lot of troubles over the weekend they would, they'd go sublimely quick on one stage and then have a puncture or break a rim or something like that <sighs> so over the course of a season Will that hurt them? Like, theoretically, they've got the car and the drivers. They should probably clean sweep the championship. But can their guys dial it back half a percent, drive with consistency on all surfaces, and make sure that car holds together to yeah. win the rally? A really hard thing to do. Like, I think most drivers will tell you, to drive flat out, it's, it's difficult, but... You're in a rhythm. You're in the zone. You're focused. When you dial it back that little bit, suddenly you don't want to take all the risks. It can be really hard to drive at that... You know, not quite ultimate level, because that's when the mistakes get in. Suddenly your mind will wander slightly, or yeah. you'll miss a you'll miss something, or you'll miss a pace note, and then bang, you crash, you're off. So and that is the callous indifference of this sport, isn't it? Yes. And one of the things that makes it so watchable and so great to follow throughout the year is that there are so many more defining factors and variables in the sport, ones that the drivers can control themselves and ones that are just thrown at you. There's just simply nothing you can do about it. And that really shakes the whole um, series up, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially in the Monte Carlo. I said last week about the variable conditions, which are such a signature of the event. And everyone, remember Bernie Eccleston came out and said, what about if we just introduced random sprinklers on F1 races? Yeah, and everyone yeah. went, oh, that's silly. But it would spice the races up because wet, wet F1 races are invariably very yeah. entertaining. Yeah, yeah. That's basically the Monte Carlo rally because you'll drive 
and it'll be perfectly sunny, dry parmac, and you'll go in up beneath the trees, and there'll be sheet ice. Yeah. So, you know, like we said, they drive for 350 kilometres flat out, and you miss your braking marker by five metres on a sheet ice, and you're done. You're in the trees. Your rally's over. Yeah. So that's what I love about the sport. That's why I think rally fans love, and that's what makes it such a great challenge and why these guys are the best in the world at adapting to their adapting to their surroundings. Yeah, it's safe to say you simply cannot predict who will be the victor at the end of the year. Absolutely. You couldn't even predict it. I mean, that's the thing. At the end of this rally, you couldn't even predict it with one stage to go. Yeah. From basically halfway through day one to the end of the rally, Thierry Neuville and Sebastian Ogier were swapping stage times. They entered the last stage, uh, I think, half a second apart so you've done all that you've done all those stages all that tarmac and it comes down to basically whoever does this 10k stretch of road better and you've got to try you've got to try so hard um yeah we'll come out the victor and you're not allowed to make any mistake like the pressure i can't imagine like i've done a little bit of rallying at a very low level and like like any elite sportsman i just can't imagine the pressure yeah and having to perform at that level yeah that under those circumstances unbelievable that yeah that mental stability under incredible pressure and that's why OG is so good because he invariably will win those you know those final stage battles where you've got to put it all on the line um Do you, fantastic I, th- I find when you meet those kind of personalities whether it be motorsport or any sport or anything where someone can be so focused and s- stable under immense pressure do you find that they're kind of a little bit weird in person? They like, can be, yeah. I, yeah. Think there, I think there is a what's there's a line about the the difference between genius and madness. There's yeah. a very you know very small tipping point. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a little bit mean, like because apparently Sebastian Ogier is a lovely bloke. He just happens to be you know supernaturally gifted in a rally car, and I think um, you know I hate him. Yeah, me too. And Loeb's the same. I I mean, I think rallying's a bit different because it's still more down to earth. When you're like Lewis Hamilton, for instance, and Mm. guys like that, or, you know, um, Messi or something like that, you're dealing with such fame, such intense scrutiny that it does affect you. You've got to go into your own little bubble. Whereas rallying still, you know, these guys are still going to change their own tyres. They've still got to fix their own cars. They're eating by the side of the road out of plastic cups. There's still, I think, that level of humbleness that the sport enforces on you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've still got to get dirty. If you break your car, you've got to get under it yeah. and fix it. And that is another reason I think people love the sport so yeah, much. Absolutely. Is you kind of get, you know, certainly with Formula One is the obvious example. There's this very sort of ivory towers kind yes. of kind of feeling when you look at the, the lifestyles and the drivers and what they have to do. I mean, I think it's it appears to be way more glamorous than it actually is, mm. but appearances counts for a lot in this game. So yeah, when you can see people getting grubby yep. and, and clearly like having a hard time a lot of the time, it, it just makes it so much more acceptable and it's, it's very easy to kind of put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Apologies for the imagery, but really, before each stage, these guys are really famous at the best in the world, but they've still got to go pee in the bushes. Yeah, absolutely right. And I like There's no portal losing rallying. I would actually like to see one actually peeing in the bushes. Oh, that happens. They've that come really out, um, they all do their exercises before the stage to loosen up, and then occasionally you need a uh, comfort break after that before you start so yeah, um, you are listening to uh, seems to be a wonderful <laughs> moment to change the subject slightly you're listening to a Witch Car Weekly special edition a little bonus that we'd like to throw out there whenever we've got something particularly special to talk about and this week it is of course the first round of the WRC um, now you mentioned a little bit before Scotty that there's a car that's in the running that even on its first outing was a p- obviously a lot quicker and clearly has perhaps <clears throat> excuse me a fair bit more horsepower. Is that allowed? Are you allowed to have a, a car glad, that is dramatically more powerful? I'm glad you asked that. It's an interesting thing, and I'll give a tip of the hat to Paul Gover. Um, it's long-established Australian motoring journalist Paul Gover on this one. We talked about yeah. it. 
a while ago. So a quick, very quick background. Basically, Toyota wanted to go into the WRC. They have a motorsport arm in Germany that runs their Le Mans program, used to run their F1 program, and ran their WRC program before that. It's called TMG. Um, but Toyota's president, Akio Toyota, um, is good mates with Tommy Mackinnon, hmm. former, former WRC driver. Yep. So he gave the contract to build the cars, not to TMG that were already developing one, but to Tommy Mackinnon. But TMG still do the engine. So read between the lines, and basically it's, you can kind of see that yeah. ATMG are going to do it well because they know their stuff. But they've gone, oh, okay, we're going to make sure the bit we're responsible for is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. It's an amazing spectacle. That car it shoots blue flames out the exhaust like an Aventador. Yeah, it looks incredible it. in a night stage. Um, and yeah, you are restricted. You have to run a 1.6 liter engine. You have a certain inlet restrictor, yep. which I think is 36 millimeters now. It might be 38. Um, so 380 horsepower is roughly. But obviously, you can you can map the torque curve. You can mm, find yeah. power wherever it is. And like rival teams have come out and said, you know, they've got all the data traces, all the speed traces. The Yaris is the quickest in a straight line. It sounds the angriest. It just rockets out of corners. Um, so, yeah, well done to TMG. And Toyota have probably the biggest budget. They are, as you'd expect, they are throwing money at this left, yeah, right, and yeah, centre. Yeah. Um, they've been continually developing that car since they entered at the start of 2017. And fair play to them. Um, you know, in motorsport, bulk money tends to win. They're developing really hard. They're doing a lot of testing. They've got great drivers, great engineers. So... The only question mark with that car is fragility. It's, uh, yeah. it last, it's got a bit of a grenade under the bonnet. Yeah, not not so much the engine, but quite a few times last year, Oak was leading by like a week and he'd go over a rock or something like that and something would happen. Like whether he's driving the car too hard, maybe the car's a little bit fragile. And it's tricky. Like uh, Chris Meek broke lots yep. of rims on the weekend and he said, well, we need stronger rims. Ah, but stronger rims are heavier. So where do you go? Do you yeah. go? Do you put more weight in the car? Because every gram you put in, you're going to go a bit slower. So they've made a very light, very fast, very agile car, but can they keep it together? Um, so it's going to be fascinating over the course of the next 13 rounds to see who comes out on top. Absolutely right. And it, and it is anyone's race. And as it, it will continue to be throughout the year, it will be anyone's race. Yeah, I'm what excited. Is, I'm, I can tell you are. You, <laughs> I mean, I was just seeing, seeing the way you're sitting. It looks like you are very excited, young guy. <laughs> um, what is the next round we can look forward to? Uh, the next round is Rally Sweden. Uh, so we go from yeah the ice and snow of Monte Carlo and tarmac to pure ice. Um, one interesting thing about Rally Sweden is you think it's going to be really slippery. You go, oh my God, doing 200 k's an hour on ice, but they have these amazing tyres with metal spikes in them. So I've never driven on it, but apparently it's akin to driving on wet tarmac. So it's actually pretty grippy, so you can really commit hard. It's a real spectacle. They go, you know, through the forest at massive high speed, bouncing off snowbanks. Um, yeah, it should be very exciting. Um, it sounds like something out of some kind of theatrical production, you know, That's like right. spiked tyres and yes. ice sheets and stuff. Um, I can't wait. If you haven't got into rally, then tune in. You know, we, yeah. need, more, we need more support and, and certainly for world rally, but also, you know, on home soil. You know, the Australian rally needs a lot more support as as, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, the, the more that we talk about this and the more people tune in, the more support they get. And, and it just improves the whole sport generally. So. That's right. People watch circuit racing and go, oh, geez, wish these cars, the, wish these cars slid around and did more. 
go and watch rallying. Yeah, they they yeah, do this constantly. That's so, all they do. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Excellent. All right, brilliant. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Dan. Um, it's been lovely. And uh, if you've enjoyed this, then make sure you keep your eyes peeled for a little Wish Car Weekly special edition, which we will be doing every now and then just to cover off the little bonus things that we spot throughout the week. Um, and if you don't see one of these for a while, then you can always tune into our regular spot, which is on uh, Friday's Witch Car Weekly, the look back at the automotive week in review. Until then, you've been Scott and I've been Dan, and it's been a pleasure. Bye bye. <laughs>